Hi, and welcome to the Genesis Podcast. We're so glad to be able to bring a small portion of our community to you through this medium and hope that you'll join us in our endeavor to embolden one another to change the world by effectively representing Jesus Christ. If you would like to know more about who we are as a community, as well as when and where we meet, you can visit us online at thegenesisstory.com. Also, if you have benefited from this podcast in any way or would like to participate in what we're doing here at Genesis, would you consider partnering with us by donating online again at www.thegenesisstory.com. There you can select the giving tab and how you would like to contribute to the general fund or even to the building fund. Remember, we can do more together than we can ever do alone. Thanks for taking the time to be with us. God bless. It's good to see you guys. Thank you again for making the effort to be here. It means a lot that you take time to be here, and we want to make that time special. We want this time to be rich for you, and so I pray that we would be open to all that God has for us uh, this morning as we look at Advent. Uh, Let's pause once again and let's uh, pray. Um, I do want to lift up my daughter-in-law, Lauren. Her father passed away uh, last night. He had cancer and he passed away, so the family is going to be uh, dealing with those uh, emotions and going through a time of grief, and we want to come alongside them and appreciate your prayers for them uh, at this time. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your faithfulness, and I do lift up Lauren, my son Daniel, and her family as they grieve over the loss of Mike. Lord, I pray that you bring comfort to them. And Lord, even as we move in to remember your birth and your coming to earth, God, it is to bring hope. It is to bring hope at times like this. It is to bring peace into our lives in spite of the difficulties and the hardships and the trials that we face. And I pray that that would be evident And them at this time, Lord, that you would prove yourself strong once again at this hour that they have need. And we thank you again for your faithfulness, Lord, your goodness. May our hearts be open to hear your words. May we lean into what you would say, Lord, and allow it to permeate our lives and to change us, God. May we leave this place different because of time spent with you and it is our desire to grow in our relationship with you and to become more like Jesus in whose name we pray amen well advent is a time of expectant waiting it is a time in the church calendar that signifies the coming of Christ and so for centuries now The church has been celebrating this season to remember the birth of the Lord and his coming. And it's a a preparation of celebration as we look towards that of Christ. But as you know, the season has changed. I've shared with you the last couple of weeks that in the United States alone, between 600 and 700 billion dollars are spent 
on Christmas. And what's it spent on? Right? Is it spent on helping those who are in need? Is it spent to, to help, you know, those who are impoverished or those who are in other countries who are struggling? No, it's spent on new electronic gadgets and it's spent on Nintendo Switches. And I don't know why I even know there's such a thing, but I'm aware of all this, right? It is spent on all these things to consume. And so this morning I'm going to be talking about childbirth, going to the dentist, Kodak film, the illusion of control, and sailing. We are starting off in Luke chapter 1. So if you have a copy of the scriptures, open up to Luke chapter 1. I'm sorry, our screen might be a little bit slow. My uh, slides weren't working this morning, but Rick is doing a bang-up job back there. Thank you, Rick. Let's give him a hand. Luke chapter 1, we're going to begin in verse 28. We're going to be looking at two different passages. We're going to be looking at Luke chapter 1, and we're going to be looking at Revelation chapter 12. And we're going to be jumping back and forth between those two passages and trying to grab some things that we can take and put into our lives and put into effect. But Luke chapter 1, verse 28, we have an angel coming before Mary and it says, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. You know, there is an anticipation when something monumental is going to be happening. Whenever I'm doing a wedding, I always mention the fact that there are few moments in our lives that dramatically change us. Weddings are usually one of them, but one of them by far is childbirth. Childbirth has this incredible effect, and you know it's going to change you, but you don't know how much until you have kids. And then you said, oh my, I didn't know. When people say, well, we're waiting till we're ready, I'm like, I laugh, right? You're ready? When are you ready? You're never ready to have kids. Just like you're never really ready to get married. It kind of has to happen, and then life goes on, right? The anticipation that life is coming and that life is going to change And here the angel comes before Mary and brings this anticipation. Things are about to change. He he tells her not to be afraid and, and he gives her this incredible message that she is going to give birth to the son of God. And she wonders, how can this be? I haven't been with anyone. And she has questions as of course you would. But understand this, the expectation was being fulfilled in Christ, that was being fulfilled in Christ, was not one that the people should fear. This this acknowledgement that God was going to dwell with man wasn't something that was going to make people afraid. In fact, in verse in chapter two, verse ten, the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring good news that will cause great joy for all the people. 
You see, this anticipation was supposed to be something that is amazing, something that is glorious, something that is to be enjoyed, something that is to help us get past the fear. When each one of my grandchildren were born and I was there with my family and dealing with my sons and daughter-in-laws, there's a great joy that comes with the birth, right? With each of my sons, when I saw them, I broke out crying, right? It's just like, oh man, and I just hugged them and we had ourselves a moment right there, right? You know, having a dad-son moment and you're a dad now, having kids that have kids is just an overwhelming thing. And here there is supposed to be this joy that is coming upon, anticipating this joy, waiting for these things to happen, good news that will cause great joy for all people. And that's so important that we don't lose sight of it's for all people. It's not just for those who are part of this church. It's not just for those who live in this country. It's not for those who are in this social economic class who can afford things. This is supposed to be joy for all people, which makes us wonder why. What is this joy? And it makes us wonder, do we have that sense of anticipation and joy now for the Christmas season? You see, there was a time where I dreaded Christmas. And that's not good when you're a pastor, right? You shouldn't dread the Christmas season. But it is so commercial and the stress of having to go shopping and having to to get to the right parties and all the obligations that were there pressing in on you. And oh no, did I go to their party or where did we go last year? Did they send us a card? Do we have to send them a card? Do we have any cards, right? I mean, it's like all these things that are going on and the pressure. I would go to the mall because I'm a planner on December 24th, right? I would go there. And I would start to sweat all over. I would just walk into the mall and I would start to have anxiety attacks. I've never had an anxiety attack, but I do at Christmas. Hallelujah. Right here, it is the season. What's going on here? It's like going to the dentist. I've never been excited to go to the dentist. I never said, oh boy. He's going to drill in his tooth and it's going to smell like burning bone. I love that smell, right? You never go to the dentist and think, oh boy, even if it's to fill, you know, something or help your cavities, whatever it is. I've got a crown or I don't know what they call those things. Even when it's to repair damage, you're not excited to go. I was never excited about Christmas. I used to dread it. And how did our season of good news and great joy turn into what it is. How did we get from a poor teenage girl who is an outcast being called by God to be used by God to bring the son of God into the world, come into a place where now we buy each other gifts 
and spend money that many times we don't even have. And that's how we celebrate. What happened? For many of us, anticipation of Advent looks a lot more like anxiety. And so that's why we decided as a community that we were going to try and win back the season. Some years ago, a church in Portland, Imago Day, with Rick McKinley and some other pastors started what was called Advent Conspiracy. And they said, what if instead of spending all that money that we do on gifts that most of us don't really need, we gave relationally, we spent time together, we we invited family over for dinner, we made cards, we actually engaged with people relationally, we, we spend less, but we're giving more. And then what if we take some of the money that we don't spend on the gifts that we don't need and give it towards something that is good, something that would bring actually joy, something that would actually have an effect on the world around us so that people could see the goodness of God in our actions. And so we started doing this and we built the latrine for the school in Haiti. We built the cafeteria building for the school in Haiti. We started the goat and garden project for the school in Haiti that is still going on. We have the healthy start with the names for the children that we've been doing every year where you can take a name, buy a gift and give it to a child who doesn't have the ability to have the things that we take for granted and enjoy. And I think there's five names left. Is that right, Pipe? Two names left. They're going fast. Get them while they're hot. And so this is how we step into the season differently. This is how we take back what Christmas is. This is how we bring the words that the angel gave to Mary and allow them to be true for us. And this is how we allow this good news that will cause great joy for all people to become a reality. We are the recipients of what has happened. Advent for us is not something that we are looking forward to happening in the sense of Christ being born. It is something that has happened that we now are able to touch and to participate in, that the Spirit of God, because of Christ, is able to empower our lives to live lives that honor God and look like Jesus. And so we are living after this Advent, but we are still living before another advent. We are waiting for God to complete this work that he began with Christ, that he is doing through the church as we've been talking about the kingdom of God and he's fulfilling one day. And so we're kind of in between these advents, the advent of when Christ was born and the advent when Christ will return and we're living in the middle and we're trying to make this season a reminder to ourselves and to the world 
of what God is doing. Because we don't want to miss it. We, we don't want to fail to grab hold of the potential that is here. If we are participants, then it should be something that is evident in our lives. You know, years ago, Kodak cameras and Kodak film was the king. If you wanted to buy film and that was how you took pictures, you got Kodak film. Fuji came along later, but they were low second. Well, in the 70s, 1974, they actually had a man named Steve Sasson, and he started fiddling with a gadget called a charge-coupled device. And he successfully built the world's first digital camera. In 1974, Kodak saw the potential, and they spent billions of dollars researching how to develop this digital process. But the people who were running Kodak did not want to let go of film because it had brought them so much success that they did not move forward with the digital cameras until it was too late. And then in the 1990s, the revolution had already broken out and Kodak was so far behind that they never were able to catch up. And then in 2012, they declared bankruptcy. The king of cameras went bankrupt because they failed to grasp the opportunity that was there at the time. I wonder if sometimes we fail to grasp what's happened and why we are the recipients of this great joy. And it doesn't come across like we have great joy because we've lost the meaning. We've lost sight of what is available for us to do. And we've turned Christmas from this opportunity to bless and to announce the good news to one that is receiving and consuming. We live with the reality that God is with us, not just out there somewhere, but he through Christ has given us the spirit. And though we see through a glass dimly, we know that one day we will be changed and we will see him face to face. We live there, but does it show up in our lives? Have we been blinded? by all the other things that we think we have to do that we miss the moment that is here before us. And then to give us another perspective, we have the perspective of John from Revelation. And so in Revelation chapter 12, and I've been waiting to get through this because we've been going through the book of Revelation recently. And so I thought, well, here's a Christmas story. Revelation chapter 12, verse 1. A great sign appeared in heaven, a woman clothed with the sun, with the moon under her feet, and 
a crown of 12 stars on her head. She was pregnant and cried out in pain as she was about to give birth. Then another sign appeared in heaven, an enormous red dragon with seven heads and 10 horns and seven crowns on its heads. Its tail swept a third of the stars out of the sky and flung them to the earth. The dragon stood in front of the woman who was about to give birth so that it might devour her child the moment he was born. She gave birth to a son, a male child who will rule all the nations with an iron scepter and her child was snatched up to God and to his throne. Now that's a picture you don't see on many Christmas cards, right? That would be a great one. I actually made a Christmas card, but can't show you. Here we see a different picture. This picture is that of struggle. This picture is of conflict that even though good news has taken place, there is still a battle. There is still pushback. And I can't help but wonder if this good news of Christ, God with us, has come, has just been drowned by the pushback of this consume, 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 that pretty soon the message looks nothing like its intention. It's all about what you can get. It's all about being satisfied with the things instead of recognizing the presence. And we've lost the soul of the season because of all that is being pushed at us. You see, there is tension now. Even though this is good news, even though we're not supposed to be afraid, there is struggle. And when John was writing this in Revelation, the struggle was that of the church going through persecution. The woman that is talked about there is actually Israel. The 12 stars symbolize the 12 tribes of Israel. And it is the Messiah coming, being born from the promise God gave to the nation of Israel. Later on, it goes and it talks about how the dragon could not get the child, so it turned on the child's family, basically the church, and started going after them as well. And we think so many times, at least I do, I can't speak for you, we think that we are secure because of our circumstances. We, we find security in our surroundings. But you start thinking about this season. When God showed up to Mary, he blew her world up. Here was a young, maybe 13-year-old girl that God is saying, I'm going to use you She's going to go back to her small town in Galilee, knocked up without being married and tell everyone God did this. And everyone's going to be saying, oh yeah, we believe you. No. Her world was never the same. In fact, throughout Jesus's ministry, they would accuse Jesus. We know who our father Abraham is. We don't know who your father is a direct slam on Mary and his birth and the question that was there. 
See, we have this illusion of control. And there's a psychological order or disorder that happens. A strategy in face of disappointment. A strategy that we deal with when we're struggling. And other uncomfortable things happen to us. We try to pinpoint what the situation is and what caused it. And if I can deal with it and I can fix it, it gives me a sense of power over the situation. So I have the sense of control. But I've got to break the news to you. You are not under control. (laughs) Your circumstances are so far beyond you. How many of us have been faced and confronted with the frailty of our health or the health of someone we love? How many of us have lost jobs or family or have been disappointed or have had heartbreak because of people and situations? And it can happen And all your preparation cannot stop these things from happening. And sometimes because we're so trying to take control of our lives, we're trying to make things nice and neat. We're trying to get all our little boxes in a row. We're trying to have our happy Christmas season. Doggone it. We always did this. I can remember family. Boy, the things that happen at family tables, right? We're having the family there and, and it's anything but peaceful. Right. It's just like all hell is breaking loose at the Thanksgiving table. And it's kind of like Thanksgiving, damn it. You know, let's enjoy the season. Just being honest, I know it never happened with you guys, but it's happened in our table. Right. And you're just like frustrated and you're like, oh, man, it's the season. And you're just wanting to take control and it's out of control. Right. You've got stuff going on in your family. You have no control over the kids are doing things that you can't stop them. You've tried for 30 years and it still hasn't worked. Right. And you realize that I don't have this control. And sometimes life is like that. But you see, the good news is it's not about getting control. The good news is it's not about how much you can take charge of things. The good news is that God is with us. The good news is that even when a young girl finds herself pregnant and ridiculed that she has the awareness that God is doing something bigger than my circumstances, bigger than the situation I find myself in. There is a God who is working. And this advent, the reason we're not to be afraid of it isn't because it's going to give us control. It's because God is going to take control in spite of the chaos that is taking place. And the reason it is good news and fills our hearts with joy is because we know that we are not forgotten. We know that God cares and sees and is involved with our lives. And more than that, he invites us to participate with him in what he is doing that he calls us his children. That we get to be a part of this amazing work that God is doing. And even though it's difficult, there is the kingdom reality that is a foundation that is not shaken. 
Later on in Revelation chapter 12, verses 10 and 11, John says, Then I heard a loud voice in heaven say, Now have come the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Messiah. For the accuser of our brothers and sisters who accuses them before our God day and night has been hurled down. They triumphed over him. How? By the blood of the Lamb. By the word of their testimony, they did not love their lives so much as to shrink from death. We see that even in the struggle, there is the promise of hope. We find ourselves in between these two advents, living in the tension of this struggle. How do we live in this tension? You see, there's something that's taking place in both of these situations, that with Mary and that with those who are following Christ and who loved, didn't love their lives so much as to shrink from death. What's happening is it's calling us in to more. How does this message challenge our expectations? How does the fact that God has begun breaking into this world, his kingdom, affect my life? Because it should. And if it's not, I need to wonder what's going on. What we see in common with both of these stories is faith. With Mary in Luke one thirty-eight, she says, I am the Lord's servant. Mary answered, may your word be fulfilled in me. May your word to me be fulfilled. I am your servant, basically saying your will be done, not mine. And that's the same thing we see in Revelation twelve eleven. By the word of their testimony, they did not love their lives so much as to shrink from death. That there was something bigger than just them. What if this season was opportunity for that to take place again with us, especially as a community? There's something more that can take place than just us getting what we want. There's the opportunity for us to teach our children that it is more blessed to give than to receive that there are areas that we can step into and help. You know, tension, even though we try to run away from it, is actually something that can drive us. I'm not a person who sails, but I know one thing about sailing is if the sail is loose, it will just flap in the wind and won't get anywhere that for that sail to actually catch hold of the wind, you have to put tension on the rope so that it can be held fast and allow the wind to get it and move it. You see, tension is happening all around us. Are you moving or are you just flapping in the wind? Is it driving you or are you just letting it pound you? Are we willing to stand in a faith that trusts Christ over culture 
that puts the will of God over the will for self? Are we willing to put ourselves into this story? Just as God put Mary into this story, and just like the church who was martyred for Christ put themselves in the story, we have the opportunity to put ourselves in the story. And it seems kind of silly to compare ourselves spending less money with people who have actually given their lives for their faith. Like, oh boy, we're we're really doing a lot here, right? But you see, a little is a good thing. Moving in the right direction is a good thing. Taking the gospel and allowing it to be a reality in our life and to affect how we move forward is a good thing. And we're not under that intense persecution But what can we do? How can we help? What can we give? How can we give? Break free from the freedom of tyranny of consumption and one that is a freedom to be part of what God is doing. And the challenge is before us, not just this season, but always. But we take it upon ourselves as a community to step into this. And so I do encourage us to actually spend less this Christmas. Your kids, your grandkids, I bet you they've got enough. I stepped on Legos today. My grandkids have enough. And give more. You know, Sue's having that craft where you guys can get together and make crafts and give something that you actually make and put time in to people instead of buying that gift. Take them out to lunch and say, Merry Christmas, I wanted to spend time with you. Have a cup of coffee. Say, I wanted to spend time with you. You see, we're spending less, but we're giving more. And we're loving all. That's the whole point. Spend less, give more, love all. Because that's the message. That's the gospel message. Now, in the years past, we have been, again, focused on the work in Haiti at the St. Andre's School. And you guys have done so, so much that it's humbling, at least for me, to see how much you've extended yourselves. This year, the leadership and I have decided that we want to, instead of doing some more work in Haiti, which we're going to continue to do, but we are really looking to get into a facility so that we can have a little bit more control over the things that we do. We're not a big community, but we got some big dreams We have some things that we want to do for the people in our community. We'd like to extend the gospel, the good news to everybody and have a place where we can extend that from. And so if it is on your heart to spend less, then pray and consider spending some money towards the building that we can move forward in. It's not for us 
It is actually for our community. And we will let you know as money comes in, if you put on the tithe envelope, uh, Advent, the money will go directly towards that. We have about 46, almost $47,000 saved for a building fund right now. I spoke to uh, Lewis uh, this week. He's a realtor, broker, uh, about some of the things that we're wanting to do. So we've got a broker who's actually looking for some places. I told him some areas that I'm interested in. You know, we're wanting to do something that doesn't look like church traditionally. We're trying to do something that looks like community, right? So we don't want to be in a place that's off the beaten path. We're trying to be involved with our community, do different things there at the building for the community. And so I told him that, kind of gave him the ideas that I had. We'll see if he's able to find something, but be praying. And I ask that you prayerfully consider giving towards these things. You know, it's, it's easy for me to tell you guys to give to the kids in Haiti because I love those kids and it's so much fun seeing the work take place there. But there's another work that we are doing and it is the work of getting this good news that God is wanting to give joy to all people that I believe we're carrying. We're not the only ones, but I believe God wants to use us to bring this to our community. And I have to embrace that and I want to be a part of that. That's why we give of ourselves to the things that are taking place here. It's not just because we want to get together and have a good time. It's because we build each other up. We help each other. You guys have helped me more than you know. Your faith has saved me many times. I know I'm the pastor and I'm supposed to be the guy in charge, but hopefully you see me honestly enough to know I am in such need, just like all of us, for God's strength, God's grace, and for your encouragement, for you to do work that encourages not only me, but the things that God is doing so many of the things that take place here are because of you, not because of me. And that means everything. Because this is supposed to be a body, not just a person. And that's what we desire. We want to empower everybody to embolden one another to effectively change the world by representing Jesus Christ. That's our vision. That's our statement. Let's do it this season. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you that Christmas is no longer as anxious for me as it used to be. God, I am not there 100%. I still get some anxiety, but God, I'm so thankful that I do not feel the pressure to buy and to make lists of who I gave to and didn't give to. Lord, that what I want to do is show up and be present in the lives that are around me. To make an effort, Lord, to reach out, but to do it relationally. And I thank you how that has changed me, God, and moving me from this place of anxiety to a place that actually has freedom, actually has joy, and is actually able to do good. 
And, and I pray for us as a community that we would grasp hold of these things, Lord, that we wouldn't give in to a consumer culture that has stolen Christmas, the, the pushback by this dragon that wants to make this incredible advent so meaningless. Lord, may we take it back. May we change the season by changing it first in ourselves and in those around us. God, may we be an example of your love, your grace, and your goodness. May we allow you to shake our lives up. Stop trying to control and allow you to guide and lead us into what is beneficial, not just for us, but for the world around us. We thank you, God, for your goodness, your example. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand together. May you continue to bring the good news that causes joy for all people to the world around you. May you see beyond culture to the Christ who is the way, the truth, and the life. And may you allow that to be seen in you. God bless you guys. Have a great week. See you next week. You have been listening to the Genesis Podcast. We invite you to join us at one of our weekly gatherings. You can find more information at www.thegenesisstory.com as well as opportunities to help financially support this podcast. Thank you for listening.